The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Joining us now to recap the week, Mohammed Al-Erin of Queen's College, Cambridge. Mohammed, so much that you and I need to discuss. This bond market move, China, Jackson Hole next week. Let's start with this bond market move. Mohammed, from your perspective, what's behind this monster move, not just of the last week, but the last month? In order of importance, John, supply, first and foremost, followed by a revisiting of the growth prospects to stronger growth, followed by a recognition that inflation may be sticky over the longer term. And then finally, people are keeping an eye on what's happening in Japan. So you've had these four things come together. Supply has been the main drivers and the others have contributed. Mohammed, given the reasons you offer, are there also reasons to believe then that these kind of levels are sustainable? Yes, John, but a lot will depend on what Chair Powell decides to do next Friday. And he has a range of choices. Um, he can talk about short-term monetary prospects, he can talk about longer-term monetary prospects, or he can punt both and focus on some of the challenging economic issues facing um, the U.S. economy. But what he says is going to be critical in terms of what it does to the bond market. The other thing to keep an eye on, and you've mentioned it, is China. I don't think people recognize enough that you've had two long-standing problems coming together. First, pockets of debt and leverage becoming systemic. And second, an inability to generate high and genuine economic growth. And suddenly, these two things are merging and risking financial instability a la Chinese. And that's something to keep an eye on as well. Well, let's break down those two things and we can start with China and then we'll work our way back to Jackson Hole and Chair Powell's address about a week from now, 10.05 Eastern time, for those of you not familiar with the time. That release came out just yesterday afternoon from the Federal Reserve. China's done a range of things this week, Mohammed. I'll go through a few of them. China has delivered the strongest pushback in the FX market with a really strong fix for the currency overnight. We know they requested state-owned banks to escalate intervention to support the currency, based on our reporting. We also know that mainland exchanges have asked some investment funds to avoid net selling of equities. They've even asked some companies to buy back stock. Mohammed, it seems like it's all insufficient. What do they need to do to draw a line under all of that? So what they're trying to do, John, is, is to stop these problems, the debt overhang and the growth issues becoming financial problems. So everything you've cited is an attempt to short circuit the financial instability. But that's not going to work unless they address the two fundamental issues. And you and I have been talking about this on the growth side then the model middle. Um, they're not sure whether they want to do more of the traditional stimulus, which ultimately will not work, or do they focus on the reforms, which pushes down the growth drivers, something that politically is difficult for them. On the other side, on the debt side, they haven't dealt with a fundamental restructuring of the debt. So these small problems are becoming systemic in nature. So unless they address these other two issues, all the things that you've mentioned um, are not going to prove sufficient to 
avert financial instability. Already we're seeing outflows out of China and that for them is a big issue. Ben Laidler of eToro wrote a line yesterday, Mohammed, and he said something like, it's an economic giant, it's a financial market minnow. Is this an economic giant we need to pay attention to or a financial market minnow that we can ignore? And what I'm getting at here, Mohammed, is whether this is a contagion issue, whether there is a prospect that this bleeds out into broader markets worldwide or not. So it won't bleed out through the financial channel. So because financially they're not as big um, as they are economically. But keep an eye on the economics. You know, now the global economy is almost wholly dependent on the U.S. economy. The U.S. economy is a bright spot. The U.S. economy is an economy that is growing and growing in a genuine fashion. Europe is having difficulties. The U.K. is having difficulties. China now is decelerating. Um, so it is all about global economic growth and how much of the burden can the U.S. continue to shoulder because China is now a detractor to global growth. You just said, Mohammed, the global economy is highly dependent on the U.S. economy. Can we flip that? And I'll ask a question. How dependent is the U.S. economy on the global economy? Can we continue to see strength like this in the U.S. with weakness elsewhere to the places you pointed to? We could. Um, the U.S. has the privilege of being a large, relatively close economy, well-diversified, entrepreneurial. So, yes, we could. It's harder because exports do contribute to economic growth. It is harder. But yes, absolutely, we could. And that has been the story of this year, is that the U.S. has continued to do well and it's accelerating, even though the rest of the world has been very sluggish. So the title next week, as you know, Structural Shifts in the Global Economy, which takes us to point two in Jackson Hole and Chairman Powell. Is he central banker to the world? To borrow a question from my good friend, Tom Keane. Do you think he is this week, Mohammed, into next week? The Fed has always been central banker to the world. The Fed, we issue the reserve currency. We manage other people's savings because we have the most lit deepest and most liquid financial markets. Um, so yes, the US Fed has enormous influence on the rest of the world. Look, John, you, you're gonna make me front run yet again an FT article coming out on Monday, but Chair Powell has three choices and it's not clear to me what he will opt for. What, what we know is he has lots and lots of topics he can, he can cover. Short-term topics, longer-term topics, tactical ones, secular ones, structural ones. He has a lot to choose from. Ultimately, it's not clear to me what he will do. If he picked out the structural reasons, Mohammed, if he picked those out, are there structural reasons to make the argument the rates can be higher for longer than we have truly broken out of that pre-pandemic post-GFC regime that we were in for the best part of a decade? Oh, absolutely. And you've heard me say this. This is a different global economy. Um, this is no longer an economy where aggregate demand is deficient. This is an economy where there's insufficient aggregate supply. We feel it in the labor market. We feel it in terms of the supply chains being rewired. We feel it in terms of the energy transition and the list goes on. So yes, this is structurally a very different global economy. And that's a problem because the framework 
is directed at an economy with with insufficient aggregate demand, the inflation target, as you've heard me say, may be too low for this world. So yes, there's lots of reasons to argue that this is a fundamentally different economy, but it raises critical aspects in terms of monetary policy. Well, let's talk about the monetary policy call for September, which sounds boring compared to what we just discussed. Is it too early to make a call as to what they may or may not do a month from now, given we still have one more CPI report and another payrolls report around the corner? I think it is. Um, They've told us over and over again that they are highly data dependent and we have to respect that. So we have to see what the jobs report and what the the CPI inflation report is going to say. CPI, September 13th, for those following early September, you get the payrolls report. Mohammed, if we can finish on the market, I think we should. Equities today are down about a half of 1%, off the highs of July by about 5% on the S&P 500, on the Nasdaq by a high yield spread still incredibly tight. What do you think explains that, Mohammed, given the challenge we see developing in the bond market with rates of 5% at the front end, close to 450 down the longer end of the curve just yesterday. Isn't that a challenge to this risk appetite in equities in credit? It is a challenge, but I think we have to put it into context, John. Um, you know, when we were talking back in July, there was a sense of the market overdoing the romance with the soft landing narrative. And it went too far, both on the bond side and on the equity side. So I see this as a give back after a month of excesses, excessive romance with the soft landing. Step back, John, if I had told you in the beginning of the year that the S&P would be up 14%, that the NASDAQ would be up 27%, um, I think you would have said most investors would have taken that. So I, I, you know, it's important to keep a perspective on this. I think what you're seeing here is, is people are realizing that it's not gonna be as simple as the soft landing narrative that the market fell in love with back in July. An excessive romance. Mohammed, it's good to see you. It always is. Mohammed, thank you, sir. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.